Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. I literally have goosebumps when I think about this moment. It was so magical. It was so magical. It was so beautiful. It's so dark. You start hearing the generators and like the big bursts of fire coming from all the all the balloons. And then as you look out, you see these like glowing orbs because it's the fire inside of the balloons that are deflated on the ground. And then slowly, like one by one, the balloons start lighting up and then they start rising and they rise with the sun. And it's over this like crazy landscape. The sky is like turning pink and you have all these crazy balloons filled with fire. And it was so beautiful. is The Maverick Show, where you'll meet today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Bowles. Welcome to The Maverick Show. My guest today is Krista Romano. She is a location-independent career coach who has been traveling the world since 2013 and has been to 60 countries. She began working remotely as a freelancer, then as a remote employee, and now as a content creator, coach, and entrepreneur. She's passionate about promoting the digital nomad lifestyle through social media, and just this year made over $100,000 in sales from her content marketing on TikTok alone. Krista also works directly with individuals to help them find and launch their own location-independent career so they, too, can live a life of ultimate freedom. Krista, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Love that intro. Thank you so much. I am so excited to have you here. This is going to be an awesome conversation. You and I have known each other for a number of years. We have been to a number of countries around the world together. And what I'm particularly excited about is that we've both literally started our digital nomad journey in the same year, 2013. We've both been to over 60 countries. So this is going to be a super fun conversation. But I want to just start off by where we are recording this from today, because we're not in the same place. We're about 13 hours apart. And so we agreed. I proposed a wine night. You reminded me that it would be the morning, early morning, your time. So you agreed to do mimosas. I agreed to do wine. So I am currently in Asheville, North Carolina on the East Coast of the U.S. recording this. And I have just opened a bottle of Rosso di Montalcino from Tuscany that I'm going to be drinking through as we record this. Where are you today and uh, what are you drinking? Oh, I am in Bali, Indonesia. I've got my mimosa. I've got my coffee. I've got a nice big water. <laughs> when you said that you were drinking wine in the way that you described wine, I just remembered that we had this really beautiful group night in northern Brazil a few years ago where I didn't know that you were such a wino. But guys, anybody who's listening, Matt knows his stuff about wine. It's very impressive. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I feel like you and I, the last time we actually hung out was in Brazil. And we were either doing 
a wine night, or of course we were doing caipirinhas, which is really the thing to do in Brazil. But I'm super excited for this conversation. And what I want to do, Krista, is just sort of start way back. And I would love to get your background about where you grew up. And as you were growing up, how did your interest in travel develop? So I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and I would say my interest in travel, I think it was always there. Like I remember when I was a kid, my favorite toy was a globe and I would always just spin it and be like, oh, where is this country? My grandmother traveled a lot. But here's the thing. My grandmother was 65 or she was a grandmother age. And I literally thought that I would have to wait until I was retired to travel too, (laughs) which is just so crazy because now, you know, I've been obviously many more places than my grandmother and anybody else in my family, but it's always been there. And then what were some of your initial travel experiences when you actually started going out of the country for the first time by yourself? So yeah, my initial launch pad out of the country was I was living in New York City and I was just feeling like I didn't have that much money. I had no vacation time and I really wanted to travel. And I was just feeling like, how will I ever even do this? I actually don't want to wait until I'm 65 to travel. So I was Googling how to make money while traveling. And at the time, this is 2013, there wasn't really people on Instagram showing the way. There were very few blogs, but I did find a blog talking about how you can teach English in Thailand. And that is what I decided to do. So I booked my one-way ticket to Thailand. Again, that was seven years ago, and I've pretty much been abroad ever since. Well, I know one of the other early trips that you took was that you went to India, which Mm. is a country that has very special meaning to me as well. And I always love to ask people about their experiences in India because it's usually a very interesting story. And I would love to hear Mm -hmm. about how your first trip to India was. Wow. India is a very, very interesting place for sure. Basically, I was backpacking around India. This was after I lived in Thailand for two years. It was like the only two months that I really ever took not working while traveling. So India, I was just free and I was just roaming around and I'm not really a planner. Like I just kind of go wherever the wind blows me. So in this situation, I ended up in Rishikesh. Have you been there, Matt? No. All right. So Rishikesh is in the north of India and it's right next to the Ganges River, which is this huge River And it's also known as the holiest river in the world. In Hindu religion, they say that when you cremate a body, if you cremate the body in the river, then that is a way for the body's soul to reach nirvana. So that's a really cool story. However, the truth is that sometimes in India, people don't have enough money to like buy all the materials to fully burn the bodies. And so there's this, whether it's a rumor or not, I don't know, but I heard it that there are a lot of dead bodies floating in the Ganges River. So this was what I knew about the river. (laughs) Okay, so we'll just put that aside. All right, so I'm in India, I'm in Rishikesh, next to this huge river. And my friend Stacy and I were these two like blonde girls wandering around, sticking out like a sore thumb. We meet this other guy in the town named Martin. I swear he was like one of four tourists in the whole town. So it's Stacy and I, and we're talking to this guy, Martin, and he's like, oh, if you guys don't know what you want to do tonight, then the coolest thing in town is to go to check out this ceremony that they do every day at sundown, the puja ceremony right next to the river. So Stacy and I are like, all right, we let's see. We, we have no idea what else we're doing. So we go to this temple. The ceremony is halfway underway by the time we get there. And this site was just one of the most beautiful, intense travel experiences I've ever had. So just to paint a picture of what this place looked like. So first of all, this temple next to the river is this huge, like six-story high orange temple, all these crazy intricacies on it. And there's all these semicircular, huge steps leading down to the river Um, And there's people like a thousand people all over the steps and they're all wearing their colorful saris. There's incense and there's gongs and there's flowers and candles. And it's just like, whoa, like it was so much culture. And I'm like, this is why I'm in India. Like this is real traveling. So I'm super excited. And I have my nice big camera, my DSLR hanging around my neck. And I just am like, this is an amazing travel opportunity. So I'm taking pictures and I'm just kind of like, click, 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 moving through the crowd, moving along the stairs. Maybe I'm five minutes in and I realize, oh, I lost Stacy. 
And then I was like, oh, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. Like not only am I just this random blonde girl in the middle of an extremely cultural Indian situation, but I also am taking pictures and I don't even know if that's okay to do. So I was like, all right, Krista, put down the camera and just observe. So that's what I'm doing. So I'm I'm standing there in the thick of this cultural situation, looking around, trying to see what other people are doing so I can maybe participate or at least blend in a little bit. So what I see, like what I think I see anyway, is the people all around me, they have this like flower offering like on a banana leaf. It's like a banana leaf, flowers on top, and then a lit candle on top of that. And they're kind of waving it around in a circle with their hands, and then they're passing it to the person next to them. So someone passes me this flower thing and I'm like, okay, I've been watching for all, I got this. So I I do the wave thing and then I kind of tenderly like pass it to the person next to me. However, the person next to me didn't take it out of my hand. So then I try to pass it to someone behind me and they didn't take it. Then I tried to pass it to someone on the right and they didn't take it. And I'm just standing there on these steps holding this flower thing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm so awkward. Then I observe some more and I see people passing down this flower thing to the river and they're floating it down the river. This, again, huge rushing river right next to the Himalayas. So I'm like, "Mm, I really don't want to go near the river. I don't want to go near the river because one, heard about the whole like dead body thing, but I also had a tattoo, a brand new tattoo on my ankle that like, I don't know, I didn't want it to get infected. So I was like, but I'm holding this thing. So, okay, when in India, I'll just get my toes wet and I'll put the flower thing into the river. So I go down to the bottom step and I take this flower thing and I kind of just literally just get my toes wet. I put it at the edge of the water and it sort of like floats out and then it just floats right back and it's there like next to my feet. And I'm there, I'm standing there being like, I can't leave it there. Like, I don't know if that's disrespectful. I didn't want to be disrespectful. I didn't want to be doing anything wrong there. So I thought, okay, well, I just need to pick it up and put it a little bit deeper into the river so it flows down. I picked up the flower thing to put it a step deeper into the river. And I thought (laughs) that there was a big platform that I was standing on, but the river was so murky I was not on a platform. I was actually still just on another step. And I took a step (laughs) to go deeper. And I literally plummeted down the staircase into the river (laughs) with all of my stuff, with my camera and my phone. And my passport was in there and everything valuable that I had. Not to mention, I was going down being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to drown in this dead body river. So then what happened? So uh, I actually don't remember exactly what happened when I was going down because I was so scared that I was going to drown or get cholera or get hit with a dead body. I literally blacked out those few seconds. So I think what happened is the people around me must have just grabbed me and pulled me out of the water. Because the next thing I knew, I was just standing on the edge of the river, trying not to panic, but being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Also, because I had ruined all my technology too. Like I was fully submerged. And yeah, my friend Stacy, I finally see her and she's like, oh my God, why are you so wet? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what just happened. I need to leave. I gotta go. So she's like, I don't know what to do. Should we go to the doctors? Do you want to go take a shower? Do you want to go try to dry out your camera? I literally don't know what to do right now. So we were just sitting on the edge of the temple and I'm dumping water out of my bag, literally like a puddle, laughing, but also crying and just panicking. And anyway, the ceremony is ending. All of the Hindu people are walking by and I just see the looks on their faces basically being like, who is this blonde girl that literally went for a swim in the middle of our religious ceremony? that I was just trying to blend into. Yeah, this girl, I think like the fourth tourist in the town. Remember, there's four. This French girl, I don't know her name. She walks by and she's like, hey, oh my God, you're the girl that fell in the river. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. I was just not entertained by her being entertained. And she was like, oh no, I'm really sorry, but I was filming the ceremony and I caught the whole thing on camera. (laughs) (laughs) So she shows me the video and oh my God, 
It's perfectly timed. It's perfectly framed. It's literally only nine seconds, but it's just this literally Hindu ceremony, most cultural thing you can imagine. This blonde girl sweeps through the crowd and just plummets into the water. (laughs) 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 So bad. (laughs) So bad. So if anybody wants to find the video, you can just go onto YouTube and type in blonde girl falls into Ganges river. And that is me. (laughs) That video is up there. It's on YouTube. It it ended up on Buzzfeed's 22 most painfully awkward things that happened in 2015. It ended up on bro Bible on Ellen tube on nine gag. It made its rounds. And now it's still, this was so long ago. It's maybe once every year and a half or something, it resurfaces. And then I have all my Instagram followers being like, oh my God, is this you? Is this you? Yep. (laughs) That is me. That is amazing. (laughs) And we are going to make it easier for the Maverick Show listeners (laughs) to find that video because we are going to put the direct link in the show notes for this episode. So you can just go to themaverickshow.com and the show notes for this episode, we are going to have that video uh, linked up right there so you can actually watch it. That's amazing. Krista, so then from there, (laughs) after that world travel experience, you continued traveling the world. And I would love to hear about sort of your decision to become a full-time digital nomad and then what that journey was like for you in general, because I know that you evolved over that time in terms of how you were financing it and becoming a freelancer and trying to be a remote employee and then becoming an entrepreneur and, you know, becoming a content creator and eventually becoming the career coach that you are today. So can you talk a little bit about the initial decision to pursue this lifestyle and then what that journey was like for you career-wise? Yeah, totally. So like I said, I originally went to Thailand to teach English. And that was just because I was like, I need to make money, but I also want to travel. I never ended up teaching English. I ended up getting a sick job in Bangkok where I was editing a magazine. And that was super cool. I loved my life there. Really, I loved it. I loved the expat community. I loved living abroad. I loved taking my weekends to go to Cambodia and Vietnam. But at the end of the day, I was a 12-hour time difference, a 24-hour flight, and I was homesick. And I felt Thailand wasn't really a place that I sustainably wanted to be forever. So yeah, after the India trip, I went home and I was just reconnecting with my family, getting some quality time in. And I really was wanting to want to be back. Like I like wanted to be like, okay, traveling's over, like New York it is. But after a few months, I just don't want this. I miss my life abroad. I miss the people. I miss the excitement, the intrigue. So yeah, I I pretty much set out on another mission to figure out another way to make money while traveling. And that is when I realized I could get a remote job. And I actually didn't really put two and two together. I thought if I got a remote job that I would probably still live in New York City and then go travel when I wanted to, but still coming back. I didn't really think that I would be a nomad because I didn't know anybody that was nomading hardcore at the time. Like I'd never heard the term digital nomad. So yeah, so it was just lucky that I was in Costa Rica on a two-week trip for New Year's when this company that I was contract writing for remotely offered me a full-time remote position. And I was in Costa Rica with my laptop being like, I don't have to go home. I can just keep doing my job here. So I ended up canceling my return ticket home and I stayed. I stayed in Costa Rica. I moved on to Nicaragua. From there, I went to Ecuador, Colombia, Brazil. That's awesome. And then how did your professional life evolve? Because I feel like there's a lot of people Mm. that want to get into the nomad life. There's definitely different paths to do it. Like you can be a remote employee and you can work remotely. If you can work from home, you can work from Thailand or Brazil, right? And then there's people that are freelancers. And then there's people that are entrepreneur business owners. I mean, there's a lot of different paths. And you've actually, you're very unique because you've actually pursued most of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I would love to hear about your journey. And as you explored those different options, how did you sort of arrive ultimately at what you're doing today as a career coach? Yeah, I was going to say I've I've done it all. <laughs> I've literally like done all the ways of being a digital nomad. So here's my resume. All right. So 
Like I said, I've been working at an agency in New York City at a marketing agency. Then I moved to Thailand, thought I'd teach English, didn't. Um, I got a job working in an office and I was going to be like the first English language marketing person at this tech startup. And then we launched a print magazine. And that was so cool because I was like, I would have never gotten this opportunity in New York. And the reason why I think it's important to just say that is like, if you are listening to this podcast and you are just terrified of stepping outside of your comfort zone, please just do it. When you put yourself out of your comfort zone and you just allow opportunities to come in, they come in, they come in. That was the coolest job I've ever had. It was amazing. Like I said, I got homesick. I went back, I was freelancing. So when I say freelancing, I actually was getting random writing jobs off of Craigslist. (laughs) People undervalue Craigslist totally. There's a lot of gems on there. You just have to sort through all the craziness. But I was just picking up random jobs and I was making enough money to get my uh, two-week holiday to Costa Rica going. From there, like I said, I got a remote job and I was hired from within. So I was a contractor slash a freelancer for this company doing writing work. Um, And then they hired me as their first full-time marketing employee. And that was really the bulk of my marketing career or the bulk of my nomad career. Like I said, I just never went back. I mean, I went back for visits, but I had that job for four years. It was amazing. I got a lot of really cool professional experience. Like I launched an influencer campaign while I was working with them. I learned a ton about social media, which very much translated into my own social media presence. And I was building my own social media presence while I was traveling because I didn't have to be anywhere specific. I could literally do my job from anywhere within reason. I wasn't really able to go to Asia because the time difference was just too much. But yeah, I would go to South Africa or Turkey or all over Europe. And I would open my laptop when it was 9 a.m. Eastern time where the company was located. So when I was in the Middle East, that was like 4 p.m. I would work until midnight and then I would close my laptop at midnight because that was 5 p.m. at home. And then, yeah, I would have the whole day to like travel and see stuff. And I loved that schedule, actually. That's another thing that I think is just so important to emphasize is when I was traveling and working remotely like that with that company, with my remote nine to five, everybody was always like, but what about the time zone? What about that? And they failed to recognize that nine to five, like those hours, those are just given to you by society. They're not actually necessary. to. It's not actually necessary to work during those specific hours. They're so arbitrary. I happen to be a night owl, you know, and I, I like working at night and I like having the whole daytime and early afternoon free. So just open up your mind about time zones. 100%. I mean, I agree with that entirely, right? And for people that are night owls, I am as well, uh, Krista. That's why (laughs) you and I hang out a lot when we're Mm -hmm. in the same place. But yeah, that's right. I mean, like a lot of people that are night owls, they love living in places like Europe, right? Mm -hmm. Because when it's 1 p.m. in Europe, it's 9 a.m. in the East Coast of the U.S. in New York. So if you actually have to be working remotely on an American nine to five schedule, you can be in Europe and your day doesn't start till 1 p.m. And if you're a night owl and you like to stay up till three or four in the morning, you know, because you're in a really epic city, like what an amazing way to not have to start your day till 1 p.m. And so you can actually select your locations based upon the types of time frame that you like to work and you actually have more flexibility, right? If you'd like to work on you know, like if you have a US based job and you like to work on those American hours, like great, you can pick a time zone, go to South America, like be in a similar time zone. But if you want a different time zone, you can certainly make that adjustment. And I was in Asia for a number of months with people that needed to work on American nine to five hours, right? Which in Asia, as you mentioned, is, is a whole different time zone. But we had a whole crew of people, we called them the night crew, and they literally worked from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m in Asia hours because they had to, because it was a requirement of their company, but they wanted to see Asia and they literally just made a fun life out of it. So they worked 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Then they would all go watch the sunrise, do sunrise yoga, then go have breakfast together and all this kind of stuff and then sleep. And then they would wake up in the afternoon. They'd have their whole afternoon to see the city. They'd go out to a really nice dinner, have drinks, all that kind of stuff. And then they'd roll into the office and start their work at 9 p.m. And they just made it work for 
the time that they were in Asia because that's what they needed to do in order to see Asia. Now, you and I, of course, Chris, at this point have structured our lives to be pretty asynchronous in terms of when we do our work. We have a lot more control over our hours so we can really structure our ideal lifestyle. But even people that that are at the very early stage, they're working remotely, they don't have that asynchronous control over their time yet. They can still make it work. And there's a lot of fun ways to do that, I think. I love how much detail you went into talking about like what their lives actually looked like with the night crew. Because I think people just get so hyped up about how is it going to work? The message is just, you'll figure it out. You will adapt. And I think it's just a, a key component of the nomad life is just being adaptable, just being all right. Like every single thing is part of this experience. And that includes the hours that you work. And there is no right or wrong way to do anything. There is a right and wrong way to do things when you're in the box that society gives you. <laughs> but when you're outside of that, as a nomad, then you're free. You can figure it out. Well, I want to also ask, you know, once you really achieved that sort of ultimate level of freedom where you had the location independence and the freedom of mobility so you could work from wherever you want, and then you also had that time asynchronous lifestyle design so you could work when you want, now all of a sudden, really, the world is your oyster, right? And you started going to all of these epic places. You mentioned that you went to Turkey, and I want to ask you about your experience there as well, because Istanbul is definitely one of my favorite cities, but I've literally not been to any other place in Turkey, which is crazy because it's very high on my list, but I know you've been out to Cappadocia and you've been to some other places in Turkey. So I wanted to just hear about how your experience there was. Cool. I think Turkey is one of the most underrated countries I've ever been to. It is amazing. The food, the landscapes, it's so diverse. The people are really warm and the weather is amazing. You have Istanbul, like it's one of my favorite cities too. It's I couldn't believe how big it was. But yeah, Cappadocia. So if anyone doesn't know off the top of your head where Cappadocia is, it's that place that you always see on Instagram with all of the hot air balloons floating up over this like really mysterious deserty looking landscape. So at the time I was traveling with my friend Helen, who you also know, Matt, and Helen and I are both Instagram girls. <laughs> and there we would be lying if we said that one of the reasons why we were going to Cappadocia wasn't to get amazing Instagram photos. So this is really important for anybody who is planning on going there. Okay. So we go there and plan to stay in Cappadocia for a full week, which because I work, right? Or at the time I, I was working, I was working my nine to five job in Turkey. That was 4 p.m. to midnight. So everybody was like, that's too long to stay in Cappadocia. There's nothing to do. But I was like, no, no, no. I want to relax, take my time. So yeah, the first few days that we were there, we just worked four to midnight. And then we would wake up around like, I don't know, nine. And we would wake up and we'd look at the sky and be like, Mm, where are the balloons? <laughs> where are the balloons? Because all the pictures that you see, these balloons are like up in the sky in broad daylight. And we just assumed that the balloons were running all the time. Here's the thing. We didn't find out until a few days later that the balloons only can go up during the one hour of sunrise. And that's because of the wind conditions and hot air balloons are actually super sensitive depending on the temperature and, and the wind and whatever. So a few days in, we were like, oh, shoot, we need to wake up at four in the morning to see the balloons. So um, we ended up like adjusting the work schedule a little bit. Like I think I asked my boss, like, is it cool if I, you know, adjust my hours for this week, got the approval, started waking up at four in the morning. And then we wake up, we get all dressed. And then the balloons were canceled because of the wind. And it now it's like six days in and we're like, did we seriously come all the way to Eastern Turkey to not see the balloons. Like what is going on? And we're like panicking because it's like, by that point we had been there for so long, but luckily with the nomad life, I was able to adjust my schedule. We extended our trip for one day because we were like, maybe this lasts one day, like we can see the balloons. And on the final day, we heard that the wind conditions were right. We got all dressed up did our makeup, put on our cute dresses at four in the morning, walked to the top of this mountain. And I literally have goosebumps when I think about this moment. It was so magical. It was so magical. It was so beautiful. It's so dark. And everybody's up there like freezing because it's <laughs> the middle of the night. And yeah, you just 
waiting in anticipation for this big event to happen. So down below on the ground, you start hearing the generators and like the big bursts of fire coming from all the, all the balloons. And then as you look out, you see these like glowing orbs because it's the fire inside of the balloons that are deflated on the ground. And then slowly, like one by one, the balloons start lighting up and then they start rising and they rise with the sun. And it's over this like crazy landscape with all these like really weird rock formations and wow the sky is like turning pink and you have all these crazy balloons filled with fire and it was so beautiful (laughs) so beautiful and I was so grateful we finally got to see that on the last day even though it was really frustrating to wake up every day and be like no balloons no balloons no balloons I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. It, it made it for a better story that it happened on the final day. That's amazing. Well, your Instagram feed, as you mentioned it, is I want to just let all the listeners know, I mean, it is really next level. I mean, you put an incredible amount of time and effort and attention into your Instagram content. I've literally seen you do your Instagram shoots and it is really quite something to behold and your Instagram (laughs) feed is bananas. We're going to link it up in the show notes and I want everybody to follow you for sure to see what you're up to because it's amazing. I mean, the the content is substantive, but it's also like your quality of your photography is really, really next level and you've really professionalized it in a very impressive way. And I want to just ask if you can give some tips on that um, in terms of building an Instagram following and effectively marketing on Instagram, what you've learned over the years of doing this at the caliber that you're doing it and what you would recommend to people. Okay. So let's see with Instagram. Well, if you are not using Adobe Lightroom to edit your photos, you're just not helping yourself. I think you can get Adobe for like 10 bucks a month and it's so worth it. There's so much you can do on this editing platform. I started off learning how to edit my photos using presets. Like there's so many famous Instagrammers that sell presets. They're basically like filters that you insert or you upload into your Adobe Lightroom and then it makes your your feed look super consistent. So yeah, I started using those and then I ended up figuring out what I wanted my own editing style to look like. And now I never use presets, but that did help me learn how to use the platform. I will say that Instagram can be a total grind and I go through phases where I'm like on it for like a month and then I fall off of it for two months. So what I have realized is a way that makes it a little bit easier to stay consistent is planning like a full shoot day. So for example, like when I went to Medellin, Colombia, this one was easier because I had already been there. I already knew what captions I wanted to write. I knew I wanted to write about how the city looked like it was growing out of a jungle. I knew I wanted to write about the food. I knew I wanted to write about the architecture, about the parks. So I kind of like had all these caption ideas in my head beforehand. I wrote them all down. And then my friend and I just planned a day where we each had like a backpack full of all these pretty dresses and cute clothes and stuff. If you're a girl, like wearing a dress really helps the photo. I do wear dresses sometimes, but anyway, in the photos, like it up levels it for sure. Yeah. We had our backpack full of dresses and skirts, and then we would just go to like all these different places. And we probably got like 10 awesome photos in one day. And then I'm just able to enjoy the city without having to think about always taking a photo. Cause for me, I love Instagram, but I'm a traveler. I am a traveler for sure. And 
I just don't want to be on my phone. I don't want to be on social media all the time. So you just got to find a way to integrate it with your life. And I think batch doing the work in batches is the best. I think that's a really, really important tip, Krista, because you are a professional content creator. And part of my question to you was going to be as a professional content creator, how do you separate that aspect of your life, right? Because sometimes, I mean, people that are posting Instagram stories every single day, it just almost seems like their Instagram stories are just filming their entire life all the time, every day. And it's all like there's not really a separation between travel and immersing yourself in the real actual experience that you have versus doing it for the purpose of filming it and showing it to other people. I was just going to ask you, how do you sort of separate those two and structure that so you can really just immerse and enjoy the travel without having a hundred percent of it have to be recorded for professional purposes? Okay. Well, yeah, like I said, the batching, just getting a lot of content created on one day really, really helps so that I can just be super present. Otherwise, <laughs> I think that there's a misconception with content creators that they are literally glued to their phone all the time because there's always a story up. I've had people criticize me actually saying like, oh, you're probably never present because you're just always on Instagram. Like you literally have a story up every single day. And I'm like, I don't though. I probably have a story up of maybe three times a week. And when I was traveling, maybe it was a little bit more, but those stories, they take maximum like one hour to create. So I know it looks like we're always on it, but it really is a perception. And I would just say if someone's like worried that, you know, content creation is going to take away from their life. For me, it adds to it. It really does add to my life. I've been able to maintain a lot of really beautiful connections through my social media. Because when people know what it is that you're doing on a regular basis, it makes them feel more connected to you. And then when you actually do have those conversations, when you actually do catch up, like you don't have to go through this. Oh, so where have you been? What are you doing? What is your life? They'll be like, Oh, I saw you went to Jordan. That was super cool. Tell me about it. Okay. Now I can tell you about myself. That's a really important answer. I mean, that's really, really good stuff. I appreciate you sharing that. I also want to ask you a little bit about the nomad life. I mean, one of the questions that I get a lot and I would love to get your input on is how dating works as a nomad, right? <laughs> um, people ask me that all the time. You've been in the nomad lifestyle now since 2013, same uh, amount of time that I have. And I would love to get your take on how does it work in terms of dating, in terms of finding love, in terms of all of that kind of stuff in the nomad lifestyle. What tips do you have for that? I love this question. And I feel like I talk about dating a lot on podcasts and stuff. Okay, so dating as a nomad. Yeah, it is objectively different than dating as a regular person who lives in the same place. And that's okay. So first thing I want to say is it's not bad. It's just different. It's different because you might cross paths with somebody for a few days. And I think that when you are traveling, if you have a connection within a few days, because you're probably going in different directions, you almost need to like ramp up the beginning stages of the relationship, which can be so fun. Like, I feel like I've had a lot of situations where, you know, I'll, I'll have like an amazing weekend and then, okay, so now we're going to separate and now we're just going to decide to meet up in another country next month. And we're probably going to move in together for like a week because we're both traveling all the way there and we both know why we're, we're meeting up. It's to spend time with each other. So yeah, I think dating as a nomad can be really romantic and really magical. At the same time, obviously there's challenges because you know you, you might be going in different directions. So I've crossed oceans before for men definitely. And I regret none of it. They all were such fun, amazing experiences. I've had relationships of different lengths. I do think that the relationships that I've had as a nomad, even if they might be a little bit shorter, you kind of get to know each other. It's like the relationships on hyperdrive. So I haven't found the one yet, but that's okay. A lot of people haven't found the one and it doesn't really have to do with the fact that they're a traveler. It's just because there's only one. And what I tell people as well is that you're location independent, mm -hmm. which means that you have the freedom and the choice and the option to go 
wherever you want to or need to go. You know, you found your soulmate and that person needed to be in another place. You could just have the location independent freedom to go there and be with them if you wanted to, you know, like your options are just so much greater because, you know, a normal person when you're dating, your dating universe is the human beings that are within driving distance of your house. That's literally your dating universe, right? Whereas when you're a location independent nomad, your dating universe is literally the planet of earth. And if you meet your soulmate and you want to be with them and they have a geographic restriction or they need to be somewhere, whatever, like you could just go there, right? And be with them. That's what I tell people. I mean, your options are just so much greater as a, as a location independent person. That's so true. Thank you for saying that. That is important as well. Okay. So right now I'm living in Bali and the borders are closed. So I'm in this totally new kind of dating pool where it's fine. I don't feel limited. There's totally enough people here. It's only the people that are here that I have access to. Whereas, yeah, when you're traveling, like you're just, you're going all over the place. You could meet anybody anywhere at any time. And then you could go meet up with them somewhere else next week. Totally. Yeah. And you could just go where they need to be if they have to be certain places and you don't, you can just go be with them. If that's your priority, like you can just make that life decision. And a lot of people can't if they're not location independent. So, so true. yeah, I think that's a huge advantage of the lifestyle actually. And then now Krista, I also want to ask you, we talked about Instagram a little bit and how over years and years and years you've built up your Instagram following and all of that. But you just jumped on the TikTok platform uh, not very long ago, and you just blew up. You made over $100,000 in less than a year marketing on the TikTok platform. You literally have more followers on TikTok than you do on Instagram, despite all of that epic stuff and hard work we talked about that you do on Instagram. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you can just share a little bit about why you decided to go onto the TikTok platform and how you were so successful so fast on that platform. I love talking about TikTok. It's just like this gold mine that nobody even knows about. I mean, they know, but they they have this perception of TikTok that it's just like teenagers dancing in front of the camera. That is on there. Of course, of course it's on there. It's not a lie that we, that's what our perception is, but There's so much more to TikTok that people don't realize. There's a lot of really, really, really good content on there. Short form video content. And the app itself makes it so easy to edit your videos so that they're super snappy. Yeah, so I quit my 9 to 5 job earlier this year. And I launched my location independence coaching business. So my focus now in work is helping people figure out what the heck it is that they want to do so that they can work online. And I guide them through the first steps of actually creating an online business or getting a remote job or whatever it is. I help anybody that doesn't want their nine to five, doesn't want to be location dependent and wants to travel. So that's what my content is about. That's what my content is about on Instagram. But the thing is, Instagram photos, they're just static images and they're so polished they're so polished and the reach is so low. And I love my Instagram because it's like my travel diary and I love the photography and writing outlet. But TikTok is the high converting platform for me. So the reason why is because first of all, like TikTok has this really unique algorithm that no matter how many followers you have, your content will end up on the quote unquote for you page. It's like the discover page your content will end up on that page, which means that people who don't follow you can see your video. And when TikTok shows your video to those people that don't follow you, it looks at their engagement. It looks at how long they stay on your video. Do they like it? Do they comment on it? Do they watch it again? And if those strangers watch your video again, TikTok says, oh, this must be a good video. We're going to show it to more people who don't follow her. And then it just keeps exponentially multiplying. So on TikTok, your videos have a serious fighting chance at reaching a million people, even if you're starting from complete scratch, which is just not the case at all on Instagram. So I had a few videos that went viral like that on TikTok. Like I remember back in April, I had maybe like, a thousand followers on TikTok. And I've been making videos like relatively consistently. 
But yeah, I made this video. It was safety tips for solo travelers. And it got 600,000 views on it. (laughs) And I was like, what is going on? And then when people find your video, if they like your video, they're like, oh, who is this girl? You know, they're, they're curious, they're intrigued. They come over to my profile and what do they see? Well, they don't see a whole bunch of static polished images. They see a bunch of highly engaging video content that they can super easily just binge watch, just like scroll with the thumb, watch all of them. And then they can follow or not follow, but a lot of them followed. And I got 10,000 followers literally in a day with this one video. What? Yeah. (laughs) So now all these people are following me and they're following me for a specific reason because they've seen that I posted this video all about solo traveling. They see all my other content all about traveling and digital nomading. And now when I put out another video about my actual group coaching program, I'm hitting the right audience and they convert so well, and final thing about TikTok is that your videos don't disappear in a day like they do on Instagram. On Instagram, you can post reels and like IGTV and stuff. It just, it doesn't go viral the way it does on TikTok. You can post stories and I feel like stories are highly engaging on Instagram, but they disappear after a day. So you need to keep grinding. You need to keep putting that content up on TikTok. People are still discovering that video that went viral back in May. And now they're also discovering lots of other viral videos that I've had. I've had other videos that have reached like hundreds of thousands. Another video that I had, I was directing people to download an ebook that I wrote. I got 5,000 people added to my email list within a week. Wow. Another video that I had, I was directing people to an app that I recommended that I got an affiliate commission for. I made $2,000 from directing people to like this app that I was just getting like a few bucks per sign up. So anyway, TikTok's super freaking powerful, the reach that you can have and just don't be afraid of being silly, being vulnerable. Like that's the stuff that does well. And yeah, it's high converting. That's amazing. So let me expand on one of those content themes that you just mentioned that you did in your video and ask if right now you can give your tips to particularly solo female world travelers, what would be your biggest tips after doing this for so many years? The biggest thing is the energy that you emit when you are walking around. So if you're walking around looking like you're scared or that you're insecure or not confident or something, you will be an easy target for people. So yeah, just walking around with your head up and your your back straight and looking like you know where you're going is super important. Looking like you're alert is super important. When I say look like you know where you're going, it depends on where you are. Like some places are safer than others. For example, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, it's my number one favorite city on the planet. I love it so much. Yay! I'm so happy to hear that. (laughs) I love it. It's always my number one. It's my soul city. But I think it's actually probably the most dangerous place I've ever been. And still, it's my favorite. I've never had anything bad happen. But yeah, it's like if I need to look at my phone, I know that there's a lot of phone snatchers there. So if I need to look at my phone to like look at Google Maps or something, I'm not just going to be walking around looking at my phone, not paying attention to my surroundings. I'm going to pop into a grocery store and check out my phone so that I don't have to worry about my surroundings. So it's another energy thing. Make sure that the people around you know that you're with it. What else? When I was in Cape Town, Cape Town also is another city that's a bit unsavory in that sense, like at night. So even if I'm just going down the street, I will take a cab instead of walking, you know? Just, I think it's just, it's always, oh, and just don't get too drunk. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. When you're drunk, you're a target and you can have a couple of drinks, but like, especially if you're by yourself, even if you're with a friend, just if you're in a foreign place, have your wits about you. That's the main message. Just have your wits about you. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. That's awesome advice. And I love that you, you and I love Brazil the same amount. It's amazing. And it's so fun mm-hmm. that that was the last place that you and I got to hang out. Yeah. 
pre-pandemic and hopefully post-pandemic, we will be back there together hanging out. And so that's amazing. Chris, I want to ask you one more question before we move into the lightning round to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, as you think back over the last seven years of your travel at this point in your life, why do you travel? What do you get out of it in general? What does world travel mean to you? I am fascinated by humanity is really the thing. I think the the bug that really got me was when I was in college, I went on this trip to Sicily and my dad's side of the family is Sicilian. So we went to the town where my great grandfather grew up and I just remember sitting there on the beach and I was like looking at this fisherman and my family also, they were all fishermen. So I was just looking at this guy, this man could be in my family. And then I thought, what would I be like if my family had never immigrated to the United States? What would I be doing right now? Who would I be? And that thought, and I think just having that thought so close to me, like really seeing my ancestry right there really just rocked my world. And I just thought, who would I be if I grew up in this place or in this place or in this place? Because where we're born, who we're born to, it's all just the lottery system. You know, any one of us could be born into a war-torn developing country. It's literally just luck that, uh, you know, we're safe being able to listen to a podcast right now. So I'm really fascinated by that idea of who would I be if I had been born in all these different places. And I really want to understand the culture because we're so influenced by our culture. So I think it's also something that's really important to me is authenticity. I love when other people are all unapologetically themselves when they're just completely authentic. And I am always on a mission to uncover my own authenticity and to be the most authentic version of myself. So I think when I know what all of my options are around the world, I have the power to choose what is the best for me. It's not given to me by society. It's not just because I was born in Boston. It's because I'm empowered as a human on planet Earth to make my own choices and discover who I really am. That's why. That's amazing. It's a great answer. And I also just want to throw in a very strong endorsement for traveling to Sicily. If anyone has not been to Sicily, I lived in Ortigia in Syracuse for a month. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the most magical, enchanting travel experiences that I have ever had. Every day was just incredible. I mean, I was living right on the water. I would just walk out to the piazza and just have espresso every day in front of the Duomo. And it was, I mean, it was just literally one of the most enchanting months I've ever spent in Sicily. So uh, I would just highly endorse and encourage anybody that hasn't been to Sicily to definitely go because it's completely magical. Beautiful. I love the word enchanting for it. I completely agree. It's like stepping back in time. It's amazing. Totally. Totally. Amazing. All right, Krista, at this point, are you ready to move in to the lightning round? Woo! Let's do it. Yes. Let's do it. The lightning round. All right. What is one book that has significantly influenced you over the years you'd most recommend people check out? I love the book Sapiens. It is the most entertaining book. It's about the history of humankind. Amazing, but also Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza is the most game changing book to really understand why you do the things that you do, why you think the things that you think. And when you know those things, you are empowered to change those things about yourself and you can become a limitless human. Awesome. Who is one person currently alive today? that you've never met that you would most love to have an extended dinner and conversation, just you and that person for one evening? Oprah. I would pick Oprah. She is the whole package. You know, she's super successful. She's spiritual. She's grounded. She's just amazing. I will meet Oprah someday. Awesome. If you could go back in time, Krista, knowing everything that you know now and give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to 18-year-old Krista? Leap and the net will appear. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. All right. 
What is one travel hack that you use that you can recommend to people? I always have my laptop set to Eastern time, like where most of my clients are and everything. On Google Calendar, you can set up two time zones on there. So you never miss a meeting and you always know who is in what time zone. Um, And I keep my phone on my local time. Awesome. Okay. Of all the places that you have been, I know that's well over 60 countries by now. What are your top three favorite travel destinations that you would most recommend people definitely should check out? Brazil. Definitely. Love it. Love everything about it. Vietnam is so cool. It's so diverse. It's like the perfect amount of culture shock and the food is incredible. The landscape is so diverse and Colombia for the same reasons. All right. So Krista, what are your top three bucket list destinations? These are places you've never been. You most want to go the highest on your list right now. Top three. I really want to go to Mongolia. I want to ride horses through the desert and and yeah, stay in a yurt. I would love to go to Japan and really see like how technology can be so advanced and just like the crazy culture there. And Patagonia, because I think the landscape would be so incredible. And I don't often go to like cold destinations, but I think that would be, that would be worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome picks. I love that. All right, Krista, I want to ask you how people can find you, follow you, contact you. And I also want to ask you to talk a little bit about this new course that you have for people that are interested in becoming digital nomads, as well as how your coaching program works and who your ideal customer and client would be for someone that would like to work with you. Okay. So you can find me on any social media platform at Krista Bella Travels. My name is spelled CH Krista Bella Travels. And if you guys are interested in my coaching, you can go to the link in my bio. I have a link tree on Instagram and TikTok. And um, you can find a link to my online course, which is called the Digital Nomad Starter Codes. That is really your very, very, very first step in figuring out how you can create a nomadic lifestyle for yourself. So what I found was missing in the market was something that helps people understand what all of their options are and to give them a career assessment that helps them figure out what's the best option for them. So my course, I'm not trying to get anybody to do dropshipping or being an influencer or being a marketer or a designer, anything specific. This course is really about you figuring out what you are good at, what you want to do. And that course, it's actually the first like two and a half weeks of my coaching program. So anybody that does come through my coaching program, I really want them to take that course because it's super important. And then, yeah, what I do is I work with people anywhere between three to six months. And my ideal client is someone who... I don't want to say they're in a dark place, but they're unhappy with their current life situation. So you're working a job that you don't like, you don't feel satisfied, or maybe you don't have a job and you you know you want to travel the world, you know you want to be free. I like taking those people and helping them get that clarity on what it is that they can do, what it is that they want to do, and then oversee them actually executing the initial stages of, yeah, making a nomadic location-independent lifestyle for themselves. I love that. That's amazing. And I think that's really, really awesome because I think there's a lot of people that are in that precise position, right? They want to move into the digital nomad lifestyle. They listen to the Maverick show. They follow people like you on Instagram. They want to get there and they need to understand how to get from where they are now to where they want to be and to get out there with us. Krista, I think the last memory that I have of you and I, when we were together, we were on Caipirinha Street and Jericho Quata. We were drinking Caipirinhas for most of the night. And then we went out with a whole crew. It was like me, you, uh, Sean Tierney, who Maverick Show mm-hmm. listeners know, because he's been on the show and a whole crew of people. We were laying on the beach, gazing at the stars. And it was like midnight. And we we're all telling stories and stargazing in Brazil. And I, I mean, that was one of my top memories from that trip. And I feel like anybody that wants to get there, right, to be able to work during the day and then do stuff like that with people like that at night, 
you know, I think your course really provides that path for them, which is super important for how do you get from where you are now to where you want to be. And I understand that you might even be able to give a discount to Maverick Show listeners that want to take that course. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. If you guys go onto the Digital Nomad Starter Codes, put in the word Maverick into the coupon code, you will get 20% off of the course. So amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to link all that up in the show notes, folks. So everything that Krista just mentioned, all her social media handles, how to connect with her, how to take her course and how to get your special Maverick Show discount. It's all going to be at one place. Just go to the maverickshow.com, go to the show notes for this episode. We're going to have all the links right there. Krista, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And yeah, I, I hope that uh, some of the listeners do actually reach out. I love to connect people. So yeah, if you guys did listen to this whole thing, then tell me, Come, send me a message, tell me and let's connect. Let's talk. Let's connect. And like post pandemic, let's all hang out together. Me, Krista and whoever takes her course <laughs> and uh, becomes a digital nomad. Let's, you know, meet up in Brazil or some other uh, amazing country and, you know, do big for the end of 2021 after it's safe to travel again. So oh, Krista, yes. amazing to have you here. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Matt. Bye guys. Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you by cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. Schedule a free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place so you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber. To get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals, schedule your free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com forward slash consult. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks, and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook.